Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Monday edition of the Lombardi line on Visa and the sports betting network coming off a heck of a week 10 in the national football league, which by the way, not over yet. Broncos bills still to come later on tonight in prime time alongside Michael Lombardi, stormy bond and Tony with you. And maybe we'll just get another walk-off field goal win, Michael, because there were five of them yesterday making NFL history for a single day with which we had end of regulation walk-off field goal wins. So much fun yesterday. It really was. It was such, and and each game in the windows. I mean, the Raider. I mean, the Colt game, Patriot game. Mac Jones's interception, horrible. Had a chance to win that. Patriots 0 for four in the red zone, can't score. You know, and then we got the one o'clock games. Your 49ers just really dominated. Looked impressive. I listened to Big Daddy complain about the Packers for three straight hours. It was absolutely fabulous. And you know, I watched our, and then we watched the the Lions and the Chargers. And, you know, the, how about this, Stormy? The Chargers, with seven minutes to go in the second quarter, never punt and go on drives that result in five consecutive touchdowns. And guess what? Still lose. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Tommy DeVito moment, which we probably all are going to regret not laying the points, knowing that it was Tommy DeVito, knowing that he wasn't going to be able to move the ball, all that. And then the nightcap, which you were profitable for, is the Raider game, and we saw this incredible jet defense, which is supposed to be so incredible, give up another 140-some yards on the ground to a team that really was only going to run the ball. I mean, they gave up 200 to Tommy DeVito, And nobody said a word. And now they give up, what, another 150 to the Raiders and they walk out of there another loser. Yeah, and you could tell that was a huge point of emphasis, getting Josh Jacobs going, even the reports throughout the game. I know you don't usually listen to him, but maybe if Millie was with you as well yesterday, you had the volume on. Melissa Stark had a number of reports talking about Josh Jacobs and them saying that they were going to prioritize him and that he felt like he was really valued and involved. But um, as far as those those like end of game, just the game in the balance based on this kicker. I was excited for the kickers of the world, Michael. It reminds us all that kickers are people too and that the kicking game (laughs) is important in the National Football League. As we kind of go through today, all these games... Overs yesterday, eight and five. We had five underdogs of the, so underdogs in general against the spread, seven and six, but five of those dogs ended up winning straight up. One of them was not Tommy DeVito in the Giants, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a little bit later, but one was the Cleveland Browns. And this game was significant yesterday. Um, the Browns and the Ravens. Cleveland ends up rallying from down 14 in the fourth quarter on the road in Baltimore. They beat the Ravens 33 31 and I was livid 
as somebody who not only bet the Ravens minus six and a half, I had them in the contest, but I had the Raver, Ravens in so many teasers across the board. All I needed them to do was win. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like we're having some technical difficulties with Michael, so we're going to try to call him on the phone to get him on the line. But I was so mad yesterday with the Baltimore Ravens because I was talking about it all over on the show Sunday. Just win, baby. That's all we need. We just need a Ravens dub. And we couldn't get there despite Baltimore leading that game for 59 minutes and 20 seconds. And we'll talk about this with Michael in a moment. And I know that the pick six at the end of the game, it was tipped for Lamar Jackson. It's not his fault, but a huge issue with Lamar Jackson over the course of his career and specifically the last three years are those pick the the interceptions in the fourth quarter in one score games. And 12 turnovers in the fourth quarter or overtime in one score games, the most by far in the NFL over the last three years. Baltimore has now lost seven games since the start of 2022 when leading in the fourth quarter. And that's a stat you're tied with the Colts with. Sorry, Elliot, I didn't mean to bring up your team in this situation, but tied with the Colts for the most in the NFL in that span. So that is a problem, especially considering this is a Baltimore Ravens team that we've been talking so much about coming into this game as maybe being the best in the NFL right now. So a huge loss, uh, especially when it comes to the division, the Browns now find themselves six and three and the Sean Watson got to give him credit where credit is due. When the most was required, he gave his best completed all of his second half pass attempts for 150 yards in the fourth quarter. Specifically Deshaun Watson was seven of seven passing. He has a touchdown to Elijah Moore uh, that made it a one score game, 158.3 passer rating. And he used his legs to convert a couple of first downs, uh, namely the one on that game winning drive. So Michael, as we, as we get you back here, kind of breaking down both of the quarterbacks in this situation, Situation. Lamar Jackson, unfortunately, has the back-breaking pick six at the end of the game, which I know was tipped, not his fault. But Deshaun Watson, who we have said has issues, has not played well, puts up a really, really good fourth-quarter performance, and you start to see the glimpses of why the Cleveland Browns wanted to go get him. Well, he was 14 for 14 in the second half, he, and he moved. I wouldn't say it was a great game, and certainly it wasn't a game where he was back to his old ways back in you know at Houston. But it was a start, right, Stormy? And, yeah. he, and he made plays with his feet. He converted. A, they had a second and 19, key part of the game. And he throws an in cut. I think it was to Moore, maybe Amari Cooper, one of the two. And that gets 17 yards. And they convert that. He's 50% on third down in the game, which was remarkable. And the one thing I liked about this game is even though they got behind the Browns, they were determined – to stay in control of the game and run the football. And they knew that was their best chance because of the two tackles they didn't have. And they had to play backups, Christian and, and, and at left tackle, which was problematic. They were still committed to running the ball against this Raven team. And they did. I mean, they really did. They averaged almost five yards a carry at 4.9 on 36 attempts. Meanwhile, the Ravens who we know want to run the football, they want to run it. They're 31st, in passing attempts in the National Football League, they like a run game. They couldn't really run the ball because if you take Mitchell's 39-yard run out of their 106 yards of, of rushing, they did very little after that. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is a game that we thought maybe could have under potential with two of the best defenses in the NFL, literally one and two in overall defense going into the game, and it ends up being 64 combined points. And to your point about Deshaun Watson, yeah, it still wasn't perfect. He still did throw a pick six on the opening possession, so I'm not running to go get a 30-1 to Super Bowl ticket on the Browns now, but you see them at six and three, and this division, Michael, just continues to be super competitive, especially with the Cincinnati Bengals then on the flip side losing a game that I don't think a lot of people anticipated to the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud, with another big performance. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we thought that Cincinnati was beat up. Maybe no Chase, no Higgins. That was a problem. But the one thing I think in this game that was clear, even though Houston was beat up too, missing Damon Pierce, Singletary rushes 30 times for 150 yards against them. And this, this Bengal defense, if you go back to the 49er game, they gave up a ton of yards in the 49er game. They just played from in front. And this was a game where C.J. Stroud was able to make plays. He bought time with his feet. He made some unscripted plays that were just absolutely fabulous. And, and I think he was very, very in control of himself in the game, other than the pick, other than the pick he had at the end. You know, they had a hard time. They had a hard time slowing him down, and he wasn't even good on third down. 
They were able to force 13 third downs. They converted four of them, but yet he made a ton of big plays to Noah Brown. I mean, the amazing thing when you watch this, when you watch this Texan offense is how wide open the receivers are. This was a huge loss for Survivor, too, Michael. Here at Circa, it was the top pick this week. 422 of the remaining 1,149 entries going into the weekend were out. That's 36.7% of the field that is done now on this loss for Cincinnati. And a lot of the national narrative today coming out of this game, Michael, is that C.J. Stroud is the MVP favorite. Okay, no, he's not, first and foremost. There are nine other people on the odds board that are ahead of him. But I can get on board with there not being a clear-cut MVP favorite right now now and his odds have been cut down from 130 to 1 to now 30 and 30 to 1 is it a worthwhile conversation thinking that if the Houston Texans can work their way into the playoffs which they now according to ESPN analytics have a 53% chance to make the playoffs versus the 14% they came into the season with is it a worthwhile conversation about CJ Stroud or is it a non-issue because the only rookie to ever do it was Jim Brown way back in the day the first year the award came out yeah, I think that's why we have the Rookie of the Year award, in which he should win. But the most valuable player is the team that ends up with the one or two seed. I mean, look, he's the most valuable player on the Houston Texans, and D'Amico Ryans is the most valuable coach this year. I think there's no question on what they've done. I think stretching this to the MVP of the league because you had a good game. I mean, two, three weeks ago against Carolina, he threw for 112 yards. So, you know, everything is week by week in the national, you know, oh, he should be the MVP. I mean, let's be honest here. If Mahomes plays good next for Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles and they win at home, he's going to be the MVP talk again. You're exactly right. And he is the favorite for a reason. And for as good as as C.J. Stroud played, and yes, 356 yards, the touchdowns, he still did have the interception you mentioned and two lost fumbles, so it was not a perfect performance by any means. But, okay, so we have the Ravens and the Bengals side of things. Then we also can't count out the Steelers either, Michael, apparently, who are outgained for a ninth straight game, yet come away with a sixth win this season over Green Bay yesterday. I mean, and, you know, I mean, look, Green Bay goes into the game. Here's what drives me crazy about some of these teams. Where's the only chance you have for the Steelers to have success on offense is to run the ball. And the Steelers run for 200 yards against the Packers, which has a good front. Like, how can you let them do it? Like, make Kenny Pickett beat you. Play short yardage, play goal line, play whatever you have to play. Make Kenny Pickett have to beat you. And if he can't beat you, they won't beat you. And yet, the, you know, the, the, the Packers couldn't stop the run game and they couldn't make plays when they had to make a play in the most important time of the game down the stretch. So, you know, look, that one thing the stat sheets tell you is really the ultimate, the only thing that matters is who wins, the W. And I think the Steelers will live in proof on that. Yep, 6-3 and three now this season with a 23-19 win over Green Bay. You cannot count them out. I think even in the division, the Ravens remain the favorite, plus 115. Browns plus 230. Steelers at 5-1, to one, and the Bengals last in the division right now, despite being over 500 at plus 550. We've got to take a break here, but lots more to recap still to come from Week 10 Sunday in the National Football League. We'll be right back. Hannah Storm and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com. Check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes so you can see the changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way vcin is here to make you a more informed, better year-round. You can check out those betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bonantoni with you. We'll be joined in about 15 minutes by Thomas Gable, director of the race and sports book at the Borgata out there in Atlantic City. Get some behind the counter insight from what happened yesterday in the NFL and where the money is going in tonight's Monday night football game. Our guy, Mike Pritchard, going to join us in hour two like he does every Monday here on the Lombardi line as well. Coming up a little bit later. But where I want to start here, Michael, is... How about them 49ers? Okay, so we we have that phrase that we love here at the network, Michael, don't be a moron, put more on it. And I just wish that I would have followed my (laughs) intuition yesterday and went even harder on San Francisco because a huge win for them when they needed it out of the bye. You know, there were so many people that were really convinced that Jacksonville was a good play. And, you know, I never really bought that one at all. Uh, I was really kind of about... Kyle Shannon having a week off, right? Kyle Shanahan having to get his team healthy. Kyle Shanahan, the defense kind of correcting some of the things that have gone wrong with them. And, you know, they were going to go down there. And, and when I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't see a team that has beaten somebody that's really like I would consider an elite team. They scored nine points against the they scored nine points against the the Kansas City Chiefs early in the season, and yesterday they scored three. And frankly, they were lucky. They had a hard time blocking the 49er front. And, you know, the 49ers had control. I think the game was kind of not as close as the score. They looked really good. They were fast on defense. That front, when they rush five guys, boy, they're hard to block. Yeah, this game looked like it was over early. And we talked about that yesterday going in that the offensive line for Jacksonville was going to have their work cut out for them against that D-line for San Francisco. And into some of the numbers here, the 49ers pass rush, Michael, got to Lawrence, who went one for six with two interceptions and five sacks when he was under pressure on Sunday. Like, it was a tough go for Trevor Lawrence against that group. Yeah, it really was. And I mean, they can't get the, you know, one thing when you play the Niners, you, you're going to, they force you to string eight, nine, ten good plays together. 
And, and if you don't make a chunk play against them, it's damn near impossible. So, and they did that. And then they get the lead on you. The first drive of the game I thought was really good. Everybody got into it. Debo was back. Trent Williams was back. You know, and then they get the 13-3 to lead at the half. And then one play later to start the second half, Kittle ends up making a great play down the sideline. The game over. It To me, they were dominant. And if you're Jacksonville, you're still a good team. But you got to be able to beat some of these other teams that rise to the level. Houston went in there and won. It's shocking that Lawrence doesn't play good at home. It really is. I mean, it's so surprising that he hasn't been able to. And that's why I was strong on the 49ers because I thought, you know, he wasn't going to play good against that front. Yep, and a huge win for them. And when you look at two, Michael, I I just feel like everything they wanted to do yesterday, they were able to do. And the bye week we talked about for San Francisco coming at a really good time to get healthy. And I think it was just at an inopportune time for Jacksonville coming off a five-game win and cover streak. When you're rolling like that, you want to keep playing. And that came to a halt for them during the bye. But, But you saw with San Francisco the difference of a team that they are when they're healthy. And it was significant to have Trent Williams back out there. And he looked great. And it was significant to have Debo Samuel so that you can have the misdirection with the different weapons that they have on offense. Offense. I felt I felt for Christian McCaffrey though in the postgame press conference. Yeah, I suck. Everybody on offense scored but me as his streak comes to an end. So he can't stand <laughs> alone with the record, but he does still have a tie for it. Yeah, I, I mean, look, that when they have all those pieces going and Kyle's calling the game the way he was. I mean, it's just they're hard to play. And that defensive front, you know, they're, when they tackle and they're, they're flying to the football like they did yesterday, playing physical, you know, they're, they're a good team. I mean, look, everybody goes through peaks and valleys, right? And, you know, the Eagles probably are the only team that hasn't done that this year. Maybe the Chiefs, too, because they win even when they play poorly. So, you know, take your hat off. I mean, I think the Niners are going to be there. Look, Seattle struggled. Seattle dominated the play sheet. When you look at the game book up there against Washington and you watch the game, the, but the Washington, the commander score 14 points. They make that game closer than it should be. If you took Seattle and laid the points, you're probably, well, how did I lose that? You had almost 500 yards of offense. That game was a sweat for a lot of people, ourselves included, and we were on the winning side with the Commanders yesterday. 29-26 ends up being the final. That was another one of those games that came down to a field goal. Another one, Michael, Lions-Chargers. Like, talk about offense. This was a couple of fun offenses, trading scores, one for one, um, trading fourth down conversions as well. Both those teams aggressive on first down, we know, but the Lions get the final blow. 41-38 ends up being the final there. We thought Jared Goff would be able to throw on this charger secondary and he does 333 yards and two scores i mean and when they ran the football i mean when you go back and watch the tape this morning like i did the dominance of the detroit offensive line against this defensive front for the chargers was really impressive their pad level they came off the ball they moved them back three or four yards it was really good football it was so much fun to watch because they were able to control the line of scrimmage and Goff could do whatever he wanted to do there was windows to throw the ball and conversely when you watch Keenan Allen, you know, they just treated him like he was another guy and he's going to run around making plays and whoever had the ball last in that game was going to win. If you were fortunate enough, you know, that line started where the Chargers were the favorite and it moved and it moved and finally settled at three, a push for a lot of people that had it in the contest. But if you had it early enough, you were going to win that one. And look, I, I think Detroit is really a good team. And when they're playing with that physicality, they're hard. That was the first time all year, Stormy. They've all been healthy and they've all been together. Yep, definitely the healthiest that they have been all year. And you mentioned that number movement. I think consensus, the majority of places, actually settled on that Lions minus two and a half. So largely a winner for people that did buy in on that line move with the Lions getting it done. And if you talk about the run game. What a fun one-two punch that was with David Montgomery back and Jameer Gibbs. And I think probably the best thing that happened to the Lions offensively this season was David Montgomery having to sit for a little while so that you could give Gibbs the opportunity to shine and show what he was made of because now you have the two of them going out there. It was remarkable. Montgomery, 12 carries, 116 yards, a touchdown. Gibbs, 14 carries, 77 yards, and two touchdowns. And now, Michael, on the Chargers side of this, they are 0-4 in games that are decided by three or fewer points this season. And since drafting Justin Herbert since 2020, 13 losses that are within three points. 
Well, it's a good thing they have a defensive coordinator as a head coach, you know, because he'll stop the offenses from moving the football on them. I mean, it's almost comical, right? I mean, they have all this money on defense. They can't stop anybody. I mean, they never got control of that game. The offense from seven minutes in the second quarter until the end of the game had had ten play, had three 10-play drives, a 16-play drive, and a seven-play drive, and they scored 35 points and still lost. And still lost. It's it's kind of remarkable. You could lose that game the way they did, but the way they play defense and the way Goff was able to control the ball, convert fourth down. They were four for five on fourth down. And four for five on fourth down. They were impressive. So look, Detroit, I think Detroit's a really good team. And the and as the season goes along, right? And as everybody doesn't practice a lot, Detroit becomes a harder team to play. Because the pad level of Detroit, the physicality of that offensive line, which is an elite, is going to create problems for teams that don't practice a lot. And they're going to, get, they're going to push people around. And you could see it yesterday. If you're Brendan Staley and you're a defensive coordinator and you're watching that tape this morning in your office, you're just like, we got our butts kicked. Like, they pushed us around. Their second game this year where they've scored 30 or more points and lose the game. Uh, we only have about 90 seconds left here, Michael, but what do you think of Kyler Murray and the Cardinals getting the win over Atlanta? Uh, well, I thought he looked good. I didn't think it was back to me. And he made the beat beat plays like the last <laughs> one. He had a third down and I think seven and he turned around and, you know, I was really disappointed in Atlanta. If you were to tell me they were only going to throw the ball 21 times in the game, you know, I would have said, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not recommending that as a play. Because when you're playing the Cardinals, right, the Cardinals, the worst pass rush team in the league, they're the worst pass defense in the league, and yet you, cho- you ran it. Now, they ran the ball effectively, but the problem was they didn't score enough points. And then Heineke hurts his hamstring, and that affects them. So then defensively, they could never get control of the game. It was one of those games where I could tell early that I wanted Atlanta. I took Atlanta. I recommended that, and I was going to lose that. Yeah, I loved Atlanta going in for for a number of reasons. And then you just – it was an unfortunate loss. But the Falcons now, Michael, have lost their last three straight games by a combined 10 points, and it's the opponents that make me upset. If you're, Especially if you're somebody who has the Falcons to win the NFC South this year. They lose to a rookie quarterback in Will Levis making his NFL debut, to a Minnesota team led by Josh Dobbs, who was only with the organization for five days, had zero reps, and didn't even know his teammate's name. And then you lose to a Cardinals team that's tied for the worst record in the National Football League with a quarterback making his debut this year off of a torn ACL. So a lot of disappointment in the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith from that standpoint. We got to take a timeout here, Michael. But when we come back, Thomas Gable is going to join us. We'll go behind the book and get some perspective on Monday Night Football. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all of the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You also get unlimited access to the VEASAN.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. We can also check on the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, betting guides, plus 24-7 video access. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. You can sign up now. Get access to everything we do through May 1st for just $120 VEASAN. Sin.com slash subscribe is where you can do it. Michael Lombardi and Stormy Bond and Tony with you as we welcome to the show, like we always do this time on a Monday, Thomas Gable, TG, director of the race and sports book at the Borgata in Atlantic City. We're going to recap a little NFL week 10, look ahead to Monday night. And I hear we have a college hoops play as well, which who doesn't love that? Welcome in, Thomas. Hey, great to be with you guys and uh, hope the games went well for you yesterday. Well, how'd they go for you, TG? That's the big thing. I mean, there was a lot of... This week was a difficult week. There was a lot of people that you respect and listen to were on completely different sides of a lot of games. So how did that play out for you? Uh, So it was interesting because you did see, um, you know, some respected groups come in, take positions, uh, and and move uh, some sides yesterday and and some totals uh, that would be contrary to what the public would have typically been on, i.e. the the Texans and the Bengals. We we had a group come in, take a big position on the Texans yesterday. Um, they they obviously win that game outright against the Bengals, um, and the public though 
was looking at Cincinnati as this team that's been on the rise. Burrow suddenly looks like Joe Burrow again. The, you know, the calf injury that was plaguing him at the beginning of the year seems to be uh, totally healed up. And, you know, he's been able to move around in the pocket a lot better. So, and, and the Bengals have been playing a lot better offensively. And then the Texans come in with uh, C.J. Stroud, and they're able to to get that uh, win yesterday. Um, the betting was very split on the Niners and the Jaguars. Um, not much of a decision on the side in that one for us. Uh, the total, we did lose on the total in that game, but um, that one, uh, again, betting was pretty evenly split. Both teams there uh, coming in off the bye. Uh, you had cases being made for both sides in that one. And the Niners just looked completely dominant now that they were healthy again. And um, it just blew the doors off the Jaguars at home there. Um, the the Packers and the Steelers, that was another game where you, you saw some, some interesting takes on that one. Um, actually had a group come in and take the, um, take the under in that one. And, and a lot of people probably thought looking at those two offenses, Hey, this game has to stay under. It didn't, it, it did get over uh, 42 combined points there and the Steelers get the cover. So, um, you know, a lot of interesting games yesterday, giants and Cowboys late. That was another one where uh, we, we were able to find some giants money out there. Some, some people took the giants, uh, took the points close 17 and a half or 18, depending uh, where you shopped. And uh, obviously uh, an easy uh, Cowboys victory there. The Cowboys are basically the Penn State, I feel, of the NFL at this point. They, they, they beat up on the, uh, the really bad teams and, and cover with ease. And then, you know, when they go up against a good team, can they, can they actually come away with a victory? It's them and the Dolphins. It's the same thing with Miami at this point. You know, how good is Miami? How good is Dallas? We, we know the separation there between them and the, the teams that are not playoff teams, but when they're measuring up against teams that they're probably going to be facing in the playoffs, they, they haven't been able to get the results yet. Yeah. You, you couldn't make the line high enough. I feel like in that game yesterday with, with Dallas and the giants, but because you mentioned Penn state who goes Oh, and two in their two game schedule once again this year, like how many people did you actually have buying in that James Franklin would be able to get it done, whether it's money line or even just taking the points in that spot, because against a top five team, he just never seems to be able to get it done. No, it's amazing because, you know, and again, because of our location here, we have a lot of Penn State uh, money that typically shows up here. There's a lot of alumni in the area, um, even though we're a pretty good distance from State College, uh, just there, there's so many Penn State alumni between South Jersey and the uh, southeastern part of Pennsylvania there. So we needed Michigan in that game. And even though it was, you know, James Franklin's record against top five teams, be damned. It didn't matter. Um, they were going to uh, back Penn state and they, you know, we, we saw how that went again for them. Yeah. Yeah. And now Penn state's offensive coordinator had to pay the price for it and life goes on and mm-hmm. we move, we move there. Uh, let me ask you this. What is your line for the? I said this on the pot. It, it, for me, it's hard to understand. What is your line on the uh, Washington Giant game? Is it ten? I mean, how can Washington be favored by ten points over anybody? It is ten. Yes, it is ten. Um, and you know, you can say, well, how right? How can Washington be favored by by double digits to anybody? But uh, the bottom line is uh, when you look at uh, the Giants at this point and what they put out there on the field and, you know, DeVito, they are, uh, you know, aside from the Panthers, I pretty much have them and the Panthers as the lowest power rated teams in the league. And, um, you know, when you take into account DeVito as the starting quarterback, that, that number, that's where that number gets to, close to double digits there when you factor in uh, DeVito as the starting uh, quarterback there for the Giants. TG, Monday Night Football coming up tonight. Yeah, yeah, no, it certainly is. Um, But we got Monday Night Football coming up tonight. Curious where you guys sit right now on that number, Buffalo hosting the Broncos. Yeah, so you're seeing uh, some seven and a half or seven, depending uh, what book you're, you're looking at. 
uh, out there currently. Um, the people will say, well, you know, it's amazing that Denver is getting any love, but you know, they have played, uh, in some, some decent games the last couple of uh, weeks that we've seen them, including beating Kansas city. So, uh, you know, from the market, you started to see some sharper money, uh, come in on Denver there, uh, through the week. Now we actually have more money on Denver at the present than we do on the bills, uh, for this side now, but when you take into account all the parlays that are still alive, uh, and teasers that are tied into the bills, uh, right now we, we do need the Broncos. Uh, but, uh, when you, when you look into all those, uh, other wagers that are out there pending, uh, with the uh, multiple team wagers tied into the bills, this, the total though, in this one, uh, has also, uh, moved up. We opened at 45 and a half, got as high as 47 and a half. I think the 47 and a half are almost gone now from the markets back down to 47. Uh, it did take some serious under money, uh, under 47 and a half. Can't get that now here, um, earlier today. So it, you're starting to see that total come back down. And of course the, uh, the, the prime time totals, uh, have really trended towards the under this year from what you're seeing, no matter whether it's Monday night or Thursday night or Sunday night, uh, those unders just continue to, to come in, including, uh, last night with the Jets and Raiders. That was, uh, the lowest total on the board closed 35 and a half yesterday and still, uh, still got under only 20 total points in that one. And as we get ready for the Super Bowl rematch next Monday night, what did you open mm-hmm. up with and how many Eagle fans have come in and bet already? <laughs> uh, so it's been mostly Eagles money since we opened up, we opened a two and a half <laughs> and with the chiefs being at home, mm-hmm. I think that's the fair, uh, the fair line there. Uh, Again, those two teams I have power rated almost identical um, between uh, Kansas City and, and Philadelphia when they're healthy. And, uh, you know, both teams coming off the bye here. We know Andy Reid, his record, uh, what that is uh, off the bye. He's been tremendous uh, throughout his career. So, but, uh, you know, again, I, I think you're going to see a lot of Eagles money here uh, per usual. And uh, that's what it's been at least early. All right, we got 60 seconds. What's the Des Moines College Hoops play of the day? All right, we're going to go under in Siena and American tonight. This is uh, one of the added games on there. Uh, 306-571, 306-572 is the rotation number. Under 136.5, both these teams, their pace of play is not great. You're only going to see probably – both teams uh, in the mid sixties for possessions that uh, they, they do not get up and down the floor uh, very quickly at all. And uh, the true shooting numbers, when you look at the true shooting numbers for both of these squads, uh, Americans about ranked 307th in the country and uh, Sienna 225th. So not great offenses. Plus when you're looking at the pace of play. So we're going to go under here of 136 and a half. Usually when I'm talking American, it's, you know, patriotism or the conference. So American Eagles in college hoops. Love it. TG, thanks so much. You're the man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, TG. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line, getting back to all things NFL. Don't go anywhere. Hannah Storm and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets just for betting $5 on basketball. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VEGAS. The crown is yours. Now, Michael, we've talked about a few of the high-flying offenses today. Lions against the Chargers, the 49ers, and what they were able to do with their weapons. Let's talk about a couple of rock fights here because the game out there in <laughs> Germany was not great. Neither was Sunday night football. Now, was it? Yeah. No, well, no, but you didn't expect it. it Sunday night, Did you didn't expect it to go over. There's no way you could have. I mean, you're way too smart for that. I mean, you know, what did both coaches say? The first one to 20 wins and neither of them got to 20. I don't know if we'd have played another quarter if we'd have gotten to 20. No, see, I think that kind of way. I think, Michael, we all anticipated the under in that game, but especially watching the opening drives in Germany where you have the field goal on the opening drive for the Patriots and they settled for a field goal, right? It looked like they should have scored. And then the Colts answer so quickly. I did not expect a 10-6 final to be what we had there in the early game. You know, this is going to sound absolutely bizarre, right? But that was one of the best, best Patriots offensive games that they've had all year. They didn't make any, I mean, in terms of running the football, converting third downs, and getting in scoring position. They were 0 for 4 in the red zone. They couldn't make a play. Their longest pass play was a, was a little screen for 30 yards at the end of the half. I mean, they can't make any plays down the field. It's like Atlanta. Atlanta's longest pass play against the Cardinals. Against the Cardinals was 18 yards. Like, you can't make that. You can't, you need chunk plays down the field. And if you don't get a chunk play, it's really hard. I mean, look, the Colts, they got McKenzie got a 30-yarder. Downs got a 28-yarder. Alex Pierce got a 21. I mean, the, the Patriots had nobody doing any of that. They had Douglas had one play. Can't get it down the field, and it comes back to the quarterback. Like, everybody's making excuses for the quarterback. Well, you know, he's been treated wrong by Bill. I mean, Bill O'Brien, you know, a typical South Boston guy, Irishman, hot temper. I mean, that why why did he go so angry on the side? Because he sees it. They practiced the play. He didn't throw the ball. He didn't throw the ball. And then Bailey Zappi gets in there, and then he, you know, he's – I don't know what he was doing. I mean, Zappi's lucky to be on the team. The, the one thing I said on the podcast is this quarterback room might be the worst quarterback room of all time. I mean, they, they should probably start Will Greer. Why not? So that was going to be my next question is what what do they do? And Bailey Zappi, weird interview, by the way, after the game saying, like, I can't say what I want to say. What does that even mean? But when Bill Belichick's asked post game, he just said, yeah, we felt like we needed a change, which clearly you did. But Zappi's not the answer. So what in the Sam Heck are you supposed to do? You don't have anybody. 
Exactly. Well, or put Will Greer in there. Look, I mean, the, here's the problem you have, Stormy, when you have guys that are not playing well at quarterback. You know, the team doesn't have any confidence. Do you think the Jets team in the locker room truly believes that Zach Wilson's going to win the game for them? They can't. Of course they don't. Do you think they can't? Do you think the Patriots? How about do you think the Giants, when they flew into Dallas, knowing they were 17-and-a-half-point dogs, and then they see Tommy DeVito, do you think they had any – do you wonder why the game got away from them? Because you had no confidence. So what happens is if your quarterback doesn't give you any confidence, how do you keep going with them? you got to make a change. And the problem is, like you said, there isn't anybody. But I can't imagine – look, I'm not a Will Greer guy. I can't imagine he's any worse. At least he could run around and make a play with his feet. I mean, Matt can't, I mean, Matt can't throw a completion. He's got the guy wide open for a touchdown to win the game. And he can't even make the throw. And, and they walk off – they played really well defensively, and they walk off the field a loser, and everybody thinks they have this worst the, – really a bad team. Their team's not very good. They're 2-8. and eight. But where, where the player they're counting on to make plays is the quarterback, and they don't make any of them. They can't make one play. Yeah, they have three games this year where they haven't scored a touchdown. And you mentioned that 2-8 and eight record for Bill Belichick. Uh, it's the worst since his first year as a head coach in 2000. And that's been kind of the big cloud that's been hanging over this whole game with the reports that came out leading into this weekend that if it was another loss and if they came home from Germany 2-8, and eight, that maybe this was the beginning of the end for Bill Belichick. And I haven't seen any reports since then, Michael. But like, what are your thoughts on this? Like, I, I saw a report from Albert Breer earlier that said maybe this is the point where Robert Kraft has a conversation with Bill Belichick and says, okay, how do you want to end this thing? Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I can't imagine that, you know, all that. It's, it's so funny. I said this on the podcast. It's so funny about we're talking about ending it, you know, firing Belichick in season when Staley's, you know, we don't even mention firing the Chargers coach in season. It's, it's just, it's the, it's the national narrative to fire Belichick. That's what we have here now. And, you know, you're not going to get a better coach. Like who's going to, who's going to be able to fix it. They played really good. The team played hard yesterday. I mean, the, the Colts, which had typically scored a lot of points, I mean, look at the Colts. Let's remember the Colts against the best defense in the league and the Cleveland Browns. What they scored, 38 points. Yesterday they scored six with Minshew. And, and I know that, it, you know, Minshew wasn't great, but they couldn't run the ball. I mean, this is a game the Patriots, really, at the end of the day, they can't make a play. And whose fault it is? It's the head coach's fault, clearly. He's in charge. But it's also the quarterback. They can't get production. They can't make a play. And the rest of the team is actually getting better, but nobody can really see it. Nobody can see it because, you know, everybody sees the obvious. It's like Nick Saban was talking about the other day on McAfee. Everybody just watches the ball, so therefore they miss all the details of the game. And when you watch the Patriots play, I mean, they ran the ball effectively. They had 4.6 yards per carry in the game. They just they had everything going in their favor. They couldn't make a play in the passing game, and it comes back to... Look, you just got to admit it. You made a mistake. I thought Mac was going to be a much better player. I thought he was going to be a better decision maker. I thought he was going to be more accurate. I thought he was going to be quick-minded. He's none of those things. He's none of those things. And I say that admitting that I thought he was. But he's none of those things. He doesn't throw the ball with great rhythm. He doesn't drive the ball. And when he has a chance to make a play... I mean, think about the last two weeks, Stormy. This is a 2-8 and eight team, and the last two weeks they have the ball in their hands driving to win the game, and they can't make a play. Yep. Uh, Patriots and Colts both have a bye this week, so uh, an opportunity to figure some things out one way or another in New England. But we mentioned the Patriots failed to score a touchdown in three games this season. The Jets, who in their last 55 possessions in New York, have just two offensive touchdowns. How much are both of these teams kicking themselves that they don't have a guy like Josh Dobbs, who has just stepped in at Minnesota yeah. and has been off to the races here, Michael? Big win for them over the Saints yesterday. And, and give Kevin O'Connell. I thought Kevin O'Connell calls a great game. He put him. I mean, he gets the ball to Hawkinson eleven times in the game. Like everybody knows, he's thrown it to Hawkinson. Yet Hawkinson's wide open. 
I mean, they did a great job offensively. They found a way to run the football, which I didn't think they could do. You know, I like them to 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 win the game, but I did. I did, as I said to you yesterday on the air, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I have a feeling they're going to win, right? Yep. You know, and they tice the Chandler kid ends up coming in and gives them, but Dobbs runs rushes for forty four yards. He he only throws eleven incomplete passes for two hundred and sixty eight yards. I mean, the guy's throwing it up the field. He's better. Let me say this: he's better than the second pick over. Overall in the draft, Zach Wilson. He's better than the 16th pick in the draft, Mac Jones. I mean, it's pretty clear. The, it doesn't matter where they go; it matters how they play. The pastronaut, which I still love, but I mean, his first half numbers were ridiculous. He ends up having a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. So happy for him that, despite having to be on three different teams over three months and being thrust into these different situations, that he's having success. And the Vikings go from a one and four start to now having won five straight, and they're an odds-on number to make the playoffs, Michael. And initially, the question was: we've talked about him a couple weeks. Like, is this a flash in the pan, or is this for real? And given the like bottom feeders of the NFC, it seems like it's getting more and more real each week it is and i mean look who else is going to make it from the nfc who else are you going to put in there you and i struggled through atlanta yesterday yeah. you know atlanta all these first round draft picks they have on all the skill players they their longest pass play was 18 yards oh they got drake london oh they got kyle pitts oh they got all these great skill can't make a play can't protect the quarterback either by the way even though they paid all this money for their offensive line you know, so they can't do that. And then, you you know, you get into a situation. Who else? Tampa Bay. Okay, Tampa had a really good game. But can Tampa actually continue to do that? I don't think so. I don't know if Tampa can continue. You know, they're so up and down. They played well against Will Levis. And, you know, Baker Mayfield made a lot of plays against the bad secondary of Tennessee. But, you know, who else are you going to go with? New Orleans? I mean, New Orleans goes in there. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Nobody wanted to take them, and they get smoked. I mean, Carr's now hurt. Will he play next week? That's doubtful. Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston. he give you two, he gives them two. <laughs> very high highs, very low lows for Jameis Winston. But at least he got Chris Olave involved, which Derek Carr hasn't been able oh, to yeah, do. I, I, no question. Hey, look, they get some life when Winston comes in. And the problem is you can't control him from giving the other team life, too. He's a he is a stimulator. Sometimes for you, sometimes for them. Eating W's and eating L's. We gotta take a break here on the Lombardi line, but we'll be right back resetting for hour two with our DraftKings Network folks who are gonna join us. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.